bad. Has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 23 season better than ever. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Um, today we ha- have a great strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he is the head strength and conditioning coach at Valdosta State University, uh, Coach Lonnie Maddox. Coach, how are you doing? Pretty good, Coach. Pretty good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. It was good talking to you before we get started. Like I said, we got this set up pretty quickly. So, um, but I mean, for people who don't know, and like I said, I, w- I want to shed more light on, on the strength and conditioning world. Cause I think a lot of you do are a lot of good things and it's evolved a lot over the past couple of years. Um, how'd you end up as a strength and conditioning coach there at Valdosta? Um, uh, well, I can take you back through my entire journey. Um, I started out at my alma mater, man, you know, just taking the interest in athletics. I've always been around athletics my entire life. So athletics is really all I've ever known. Of course, you know, a lot of us had aspirations of potentially going to the NFL or NBA. But, you know, once you get out of high school and into college, you start to realize that everybody was the man where they were. So, you know, you, you end up being humbled by that. But um, after graduation, you know, I, I had a couple of talks with my mentor, uh, Coach Richard Shaughnessy, and he allowed me to come in and intern, intern with him at my alma mater. And, in 2014 and 15, uh, I was actually pursuing my master's in exercise science at AUM at the time. So I was living in Montgomery, which is about 45 minutes to an hour away from Troy. So I was driving back and forth every day, um, doing that. And then once I graduated, I still didn't really have a job. So, you know, I always wanted to be a strength conditioning coach on the collegiate level. So I took a job up in Chantilly, Virginia at D1 Sports Training and Therapy up around the Washington, D.C. area. So I was there for about six months, you know, um, I, I wasn't really happy doing that because I wanted to be in the collegiate setting. Mm-hmm. So I left there, man, left there and went to the University of South Carolina uh, in 2016, which was Coach Will Muschamp's first year and his head strength coach, Coach Dillman, who's a, a, a mentor of mine. I love him, love him to death. Uh, also, his associate director, David Feely, who's one of my mentors as well. Uh, those guys, man, they, they took me in as an intern. I was an older intern. I was 30 years old at the time. But, you know, I had my master's, I had my CSCS, USAW, all that good stuff. And I felt like I needed another internship, especially, particularly in the SEC, mm-hmm. you know, help me out. So uh, after spending the season of 2016 with them, left there, I still didn't have a job, man. You know, I had a couple of interviews here and there, but. Nobody's going to really hire you if you don't have any paid experience or if you haven't been a graduate assistant. A lot of times in this profession. So 
that's one thing I missed out on, you know, having an intern and I never was a GA because I, you know, I already had my master's and all. And um, didn't want to go that route and be a GA and get another master's degree. So, man, it, it got to a point where, you know, I got a little discouraged. I got a little discouraged. You know, I feel like I put in a lot of work, went back to get another degree. And I'm trying to raise a small child, you know, alongside my fiance, who's my wife now. And I thought about going to physical therapy school, man. I was, I was going to get ready to register for physical therapy school over at Alabama State, a school in Alabama. And right before, you know, making that decision to really go for it, I got an email from Fred McNair, who's the head football coach at Alcorn State University in Mississippi. So um, took that interview on, it was on a Monday when he sent me the email and I actually had to drive to Mississippi for the interview on Wednesday. So went over to Mississippi from Georgia and, you know, man, got there, presented my portfolio, talked about, you know, how we would do things with football and athletic director offered me the job. I was probably there about 30, 45 minutes and, you know, he offered me the job and I took, you know, that was probably one of the most shocking things that ever happened in my life to go from an intern to a division one head football coach, not football coach, I'm sorry, head strength conditioning coach right off the bat. But, uh, you know, I'm grateful, man. It was a really good experience over at Old Corn. I was there three and a half years, left there in the middle of COVID. You know, um, I was sitting around with, with my wife and we were just talking um, during COVID, you know, we had to stay in the house, you know, and, and it was around the summertime. And so I saw the job come open at that off state. And, you know, I, I really didn't think Red Austin State would hire me. I'm just going to be flat out honest. Um, it's a great place. I've known about Red Austin State pretty much my entire life and how dominant they've been in football and Division II level, as well as other sports. You know, it's a very, very competitive place, man. And so I applied for the job, and I really didn't think I would have a shot, even to interview. But, you know, luckily I got an interview and went through the rounds of interviews, and I ended up here, man. <laughs> I ended up here. Uh, this is my third year here. The summer will start my fourth year, but um, man, it's been it's been an amazing experience, man. You know, I have a good group of GAs. We have really good coaches here that pretty much allow us to do our own thing with their sports as long as we feel them in on what's going on. Our athletic training staff is phenomenal. Our athletic director is probably one of, if not the best, athletic director to ever live. You know, and I love the way he runs our athletic department. You know, he, he trusts his coaches, but he's he's very, very strict on what he wants. And that's what you have to respect about. It. So, okay. yeah, that's, that's pretty much my journey, man. Now, now a couple things, like, like I said, I had, I had to listen to stuff as I did some research. And now mm -hmm. one thing I noticed, because you, you mentioned being an intern and not GA, but you have GAs and interns. Um, one thing I noticed as I was scrolling down your both the, your Twitter and your Instagram and other things. I saw you were making your GAs present on a variety of things. I think Pylos was one of them, uh, Speed Velocity or something along those lines. Yeah. What What is the philosophy behind having them do that in a such a small setting? Because like I said, there's only a handful of you in that room. What right. is the philosophy behind having your GAs and your interns present to each other? Oh, man, it's just to me, it's just a, a thing in, in, in regards to like professional development. You know, uh, these kids are exercise science majors and strength conditioning, it changes, man. It, it changes every year. So a lot of people are going more towards velocity-based training. And uh, so we wanted them to do some research on that. And they presented it to us and how they would, you know, if we gave them a certain sport, how would they implement the velocity-based training? 
Uh, also, you know, plyometrics is a big deal. I'm a, I'm a big plyometric guy myself, you know. Um, and so I wanted them to present on plyometrics and different forms of plyos and how they would do things in their program. And I think another one was uh, block periodization. Um, block periodization, I, I, I don't think I had much knowledge on block periodization, you know, and how it was different from linear and undulating or what things are the same in each. Um, but that idea was the kid himself. Okay. And he, he did a really good job on presenting on block periodization, man. And it also helps to give your staff ideas as well. You know what I mean? You always need to, to continue to pursue education. That's just what I believe in this strength conditioning. Because like I said, man, everything changes year in and year out. So you have to get better because everyone else is getting better, whether they are Power 5 guys, D2 guys, NAIA guys, whatever. You know, uh, and always be ready because you're going to go across, come across football coaches that are going to have some knowledge on this velocity-based training or applied metrics, things they've seen elsewhere, mm -hmm. and they're probably going to ask you about it in an interview process. Okay. Now, you mentioned pilometrics there as well, and pilos have uh, like been one of the hot topics, I would say, in strength and conditioning in the past couple of years. Because mm -hmm. I, I remember I've helped in the weight room or run a weight room since I've started coaching. And that you, I mean, jumping's always been a part of it. You can phrase it that way, but I think the term polymetrics has really popped up over the past several years and the focus on it, especially like broad jumps, mm -hmm. vertical jumps. Do you want to talk about kind of the transition you've seen and kind of why they're so important, both from the high school and college development level? Yeah, plyos, um, a lot of us now, you know, a lot of people think about jumping vertically, you know, which is fine, you know, is necessary in certain sports, especially like a center field in baseball or, you know, wide receiver, DB going up for a jump ball. Um, but you also got to realize that, you know, plyometrics kind of helps with, you know, your speed mechanics, sprint mechanics. And one big thing about plyometrics is, you know, decreasing ground contact time, you know, not being on the ground for too long. And that's one thing that plyometrics kind of enforce. And we like to do a lot of horizontal plyometrics, you know, which we feel like, you know, transfer over to speed training because you have to move horizontally. I mean, of course, you have to move laterally too and change the direction deal. But, you know, we, uh, we focus on that component, man, you know, decreasing ground contact time and, you know, your rate of force development in a horizontal fashion. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the other thing I noticed, like, when I was going through your stuff is, on top of all the plyometrics you do, and, and like I said, again, that's a big focus right now. What I've also noticed you do some a lot of band work. Oh, yeah. Yes. Get, get, um, you want to talk about that real quick? Because I like I said, I, I think that's all like because I started my la my most recent season started introducing that with mm -hmm. squat and bench. But I've seen you not only do it with air, but there's a variety of exercises that you, you have added the band to. Right. Uh, uh, and enhance your athletes mm -hmm. so with, with the bands man you can do tons of things you know a lot of people think when you come into a weight room it's all you know pushing heavy free weights all day every day i mean the free weights are really really good in terms of like increasing joint stabilization which you need in a football game mm -hmm. you know um the more your joints can withstand contact the better you know it's going to help with keeping your kids healthy so we like to use bands for that reason, you know, for a lot of uh, rotary stability stuff. Um, we have this thing what we call band clams, which helps with your uh, hip abductors, you know, and, and, and hopefully trying to 
increase your, your lateral strength and your gluteus medius and your uh, TFL and all that. Um, we also use it for things like band face pulls, you know, um, because a lot of, well, one of my issues that I've had over the years is AC joint issues, you know, so uh, that's another reason why I implemented a lot of the band face pulls. Uh, we also use our bands for plyometric, uh, plyometric training. Um, we have what we call, I like to call band resistant squat jumps, uh, where, you know, we don't have a, a, a Vertimax machine, right? Where you can put a resistance around your hips and you step on this platform and jump against the resistance. So me, I'm real big on what we call ingenuity, trying to get things done with the limited resources that you have. You know, so what we do is we take a three quarter inch band, which is purple. We put it over one shoulder, right? And we put it over the other shoulder and put it under the, uh, the beams here and put a dumbbell in hand so it gives you the same effect that you would on a vertimax machine you know what i mean and in turn will help you with your vertical jump max and things of that nature okay now like continue with that like continue with the bands like obviously a lot of high schools don't have the resources that you have just like you don't necessarily have the resources maybe a power five scec school has right um and, and you mentioned ingenuity there but most high schools that i've been at now have bands like right. that, that, I mean, AD will, I mean, cause you can buy them in bulk for a reasonable price where mm -hmm. buying a whole new rack or said dumbbells gets pretty dang expensive if we're being honest. Right. Uh, if, if you had to recommend like two or three things to high school coaches, because that's the majority of the, my audience, what two or three band related exercises would you relate to help developing the student athlete at the high school level? Cause obviously our development's a little different than yours. Mm -hmm. They're at physically nutritionally and all that but what do you kind of recommend just broadly for high school coaches band wise uh, i would definitely recommend um this exercise called band tke i don't know if you have you ever heard of that one no i've not uh band terminal uh knee extension is, is what it's called so you know in, in football and other sports you have a big risk of like acl tears and things of that nature right um so with the band with the band TKE, it allows your body to, what happens with a, a ACL tear is like you have a shear force, right? From your, your femur to your tibia, and it slides, shear force like this here, right? And that's how a lot of the ACL tears occur, you know, with non-contact injury, even contact injury. So the band TKE kind of mimics that, that, that shear motion a little bit and helps your, your, your quadriceps get used to that, which in turn will, will hopefully reduce the likelihood of that ACL injury occurring. So that's one of the main ones that I would really recommend. Um, another one would be, you know, uh, band internal external rotation for your rotator cuff, especially for quarterbacks, pitchers. Um, I would probably implement that one. Well, I recommend that one for high school coaches. And probably another one would be um, probably band pallop twist for like, uh, you know, rotational power, you know, okay. just enhance your core just a little bit. Probably those three. Okay. Yep. No, that's like I said, I, I'm always looking for ideas. And like I said, we, again, we're at a different stage than you guys are or nutritionally resource wise. Uh -huh. But again, everybody has access to bands. Now, you met, now here's, I want to ask you because this is a pet peeve of mine. And you mentioned the sport in yours. 
and you they were lifting that's we had delay ours today because they were actually coming and lift which made me really happy do you mm-hmm. want to talk about baseball and lifting real quick because there's I, I will I have dealt with plenty of baseball players and baseball high school coaches who are anti weight room. Oh yeah, <laughs> especially dur- especially during the season because mm-hmm. they're worried about injury. But then I see people like Arkansas baseball strength coach who does fantastic. They're benching the day before a game, right? Or like you said, you, you guys got a game tomorrow, game uh, tomorrow in Tampa, and they're coming in getting work in. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about? baseball and weight room, especially weight room in season. Right. So, you know, baseball teams have maybe five, six games a week sometimes, especially if they got like a uh, three-game series with two different teams in one week. So they're pretty much, you know, not going to be in the weight room that much. But um, I learned from Coach Billy Anderson, who's the head baseball strength coach at the University of South Carolina. Uh, We also worked with him alongside, you know, the Gamecock football team. And Coach Billy Anderson, his guys would lift in season. He told me there's nothing wrong with it. And this man has won two College World Series. So I respect any and everything that he says about strength conditioning. And, you know, they bench press. So uh, our guys here, they, they still lift as well. You know, um, you're going to run across coaches who are anti-lifting. You know, not just baseball, man. You're going to have some basketball coaches that feel that same way. Mm-hmm. You're also going to have some football coaches that feel that way once the playoffs come around. You know, I've dealt with all of this stuff before, man. I know exactly what you mean. So uh, our baseball coach, he allows me to do my thing with our guys. You know, and I told him, I was like, well, coach, I need at least one to two times a week with the guys, if I can get it. You know, if I can get one, that's fine. So with, with us, you know, we do a little bit of lifting, but a lot of our stuff is geared towards shoulder mobility, rotary stability, uh, exercises, um, rotational power exercises, things that you're going to see. In a game, like it's going to mimic the swing, mimic the pitching, you know, band overhead throws or band reverse overhead throws, um, you know, just to work on that rotator cuff because it slows down the throwing motion. You know, so you want to do a lot of that stuff in season and you're going to do a lot of stretching, you know, for your quads, hamstrings, a lot of foam rolling, foam rolling the triceps, biceps, chest. So they're not going to do a lot of heavy lifting. You know, they may come in and do, I'll probably say no more than five exercises. But the rest is going to be geared towards mobility and just stretching. And um, I feel like baseball players should lift in season. I feel like every sport should lift in season. That's something that I'll always stand on, you know, okay. because it helps, man. And then as long as you got the backing of your athletic training staff, then you can go for it. But you have to have them to back you on it. Now, perfect, Coach. Like I said, like I said that's always been – and I, I get you – I've, I've had basketball coaches too and – Everybody's got a different philosophy, but like I said, when I look at successful programs, they lift in season. Like I, I I've um, taught with college bowlers and they had a lifting program. Mm-hmm. So like, that's, that's where, when I get, I'm not gonna say arguments, but disagreements with other high school coaches that I've worked right. with. Like if, if a bowling program has a lifting program in season, every program probably has a lifting program in season. That's right. what I tell kids all the time. Like no matter what sport you play in college, you're probably going to have some sort of lifting program. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, now the other thing I, I, I like, there's a couple other things I want to hit on. One, I, I've seen the abbreviation a lot looking through your stuff, and I'm not sure 100 what it means. But I like dog training, dog. Um, I think lifter of the week. Like, do you yeah. want to talk about what that is? Because I'm just, I'm just from a curiosity from my standpoint. Oh yeah, the dog training is uh, a 
three core values from our head football coach. Okay. You know, of course, that strength and conditioning, you're going to have your own core values. But, you know, I always tell any young strength coach, you always adapt what your head coach wants. So that's uh, dog for us means discipline, obedience, and grit. Um, so that's why we call it, you know, dog training. Um, dog training is pretty much our form of mat drills that we do, you know, for our football team. But the dog of the week thing, I adopted that for the weight room. So it's the athlete who's displayed discipline, obedience, and grit, and pretty much had a solid week, man, you know, in the weight room, coming in, having great energy, trying to get through the entire lift, keeping his teammates motivated because it gets hard. I'm telling you, it gets hard when you're lifting and doing mat drills, you know what I mean? And uh, so that's where that came from. It's from our head football coach. Yeah, I also want to build up that. You mentioned mat drills there. I mean, from your time and initially interning to now, how have mat drills really evolved? Because, like, I, I obviously I watch videos. Like, I mean, because, like, I mean, Colorado, obviously, with their big social media output, will show some stuff. Right. Like, everybody, like, shows their winter workout videos and the mat drills. But in your opinion, how have they evolved or have they even evolved since you started doing this? Um, over And, and, and if, if there has been an evolution, has there been one that has helped enhance athletes? I'll phrase it that way. Um. Well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, man, and a lot of strength coaches may feel the same way that I feel, or they may not. Um, initially, I wasn't a fan of mad drills, because I feel like a lot of the drills that, you know, coaches wanted to put together um, didn't really transfer over to anything that's going to be needed in practice or games. Uh, but I think it has evolved. You know, at my old school, uh, my head football coach allowed me to put the entire mad drill together. So we did a lot of, like, uh, speed enhancement drills, you know, plot metrics, but we had to monitor how intense it was, you know what I mean? And uh, monitor the volume in the match drill. So it would go from like five minutes to maybe three minutes, depending on what we're doing and how intense it was. Uh, here, it's the same thing, man. Our coach, he, he talks to me, keeps me in the loop, and, you know, he gets my ideas on what I want to do with match drills, but we also do other things to where we feel like it helps bring out, you know, uh, a level of mental toughness in kids, which is what I'm all I'm all about too, you know what I mean, at the end of the day. But, you know, I feel like a lot of the mat drills need to be sensible and it needs to go and you need to have drills that are going to help enhance the performance, so to speak, you know, with football players, like change the direction stuff, uh, working on their perceptual cognitive ability, you know, um, speed improvement drills, which is going to help them get faster or speed resistance, like, using the harness, using chains, using the products. And that's what we do here at Valdosta State. Um, so I think they have evolved, man, because a lot more strength coaches are getting involved and head coaches are allowing them to have a say-so in a lot of the drills. Okay. Now, I mean, two other questions I have for you is, is one, I, I saw that your, I can't remember if it was your account or strength account, I was looking at both, and it showed your fullback, not fullback, football profile template that you were putting together. Right. Uh, that was very interesting, especially as I was looking at it. And I mean, obviously you're doing it on Excel, which is not surprising as most schools do, but the kind of, um, how do I want to phrase this? Both the metrics that you look at and um, oh, what was the other? There's a, uh, there, you had your metrics at the top and I forget what your at your bottom was. You're, you're, a, some sort of grading system. You want to talk about like what goes into that just that whole sheet kind of for you guys? Okay. 
Yeah, so um, I think the most recent one that I posted was our developmental group from the season. Uh, and and what, what was on there was the kids' height, weight, um, their training, uh, our training variables, which included the bench press, back squat, and power clean. Um, and also, I think the vertical and broad jump, which is what we tested our developmental group on. So you have your um, initial testing, then six weeks out, you test again, and it shows the change, you know, the change in each variable. And then we have a measuring scale, which we call uh, dog rating, right? Uh, discipline, obedience, and grit rating. So I got that idea from one of my graduate assistants. He came up with that. So it was a scale of one to five, one being the lowest, five being the best number that you can get. So with me, I'm a very strict guy. I feel like nobody's going to get above a three on anything right now. <laughs> and so if you get a three, that means that you're doing it. And I had already explained that to our head football coach. I showed him the design of the template, and he was all for it. And uh, so if you get a three, man, that means you're doing really well by me. You know, because I feel like a lot of these guys have been in the program long enough to see how things are done, you know, because our, our coaches staff is relatively new. They've only been here a year. So over time, you know, I'll probably get somebody up to that four range, but I don't know about a five ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's a senior, junior, all conference, anything. I don't care. But um, so we measure them on their uh, ability to show discipline, obedience, and grit. We also grade them on their urgency level with the strength and conditioning style. Um, the level of buy-in that we think that they're giving us. And did I say urgency level already? Yes, sir. I'm, urgency is a big thing for me, man. Um, I feel like a lot of kids lack urgency. A lot of them, man. Even my son. My son's nine years old. He don't. He's not the most urgent person in the world either. <laughs> and that's one thing I can't stand for somebody to, to lack urgency. But uh, those are the things that we grade these kids on. And so we put our comments in the box. And at the end of the season, when we uh, when I present everything to the football coaching staff, I let them know exactly how I feel about each and every kid. And so that's really how, you know, we determine who's going to go into the spring, who we're going to invite back into the spring. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm real happy about, you know, the relationship that I have, you know, with our football coaches. Every football coach that I've worked for has been really good. And, you know, allowing me to, to help them out, to see who really belongs in our program and who doesn't, you know, who can handle the dog training, you know, who can handle strength and conditioning um, and who's just going to be right for the program as young men. Okay. Now, how, I just got a curiosity, how long does that meeting usually take? Like, to, because you're, I mean, cause like when you're talking college athletics, I don't care if it's D1 through D3, when you eat, what are your scholarship, non-scholarship? I mean, you're looking at a roster of a hundred or more. Right. I mean, how long do you typically spend on a kid and how long, how long is that just one meeting or is it multiple meetings over multiple days? How does that process work for you? So, so if it's the entire team, man, it lasts for about two days. That's about, yeah, it lasts about two days because strength and conditioning, my, uh, my template and, and just explaining everything for each kid, it takes a while. Yeah. And then you have to factor in the coaches have their own deal that they do too. So we all in the in the meeting, man. It lasts, yeah, about two days. But the developmental group is about 30 to 35 guys. So it probably lasts maybe a couple of hours, I'll say. Okay. My presentation. 
Okay, just curious. Like I said, I, I thought it was interesting how you said it. Like, I've seen something similar to that. Like, my buddy at a school nearby has some, something similar for grading and testing and mm-hmm. got his stage up, but he doesn't have the dog rating aspect. And I, I just right. liked how your setup um, was there. Um, the actual um, last question I have for you, because I love asking straight coaches this, because, like, when I – some will have a bunch, some will have, like, one. And I, and I saw you posted a book you were looking at reading that you were interested in reading – I'm always curious, like, if you had to pick, like, just a handful of books for, like, as a recommendation for high school, especially, like, high school coaches who are, I mean, again, most high school coaches are not certified like you are, and, but they're still in charge of the weight room, and they're still trying to develop athletes, and it doesn't matter if it's football, baseball, basketball, a conglomerate of us what would you recommend them reading so they can better develop their student athletes? Cause like I said, Joey gave me a couple, Tommy gave me a couple things here and there, but like for you personally, has there any books that have been like an impact on you that were like, okay, here's a good baseline or here's something that made a great impact on me for maybe a high school, whether it be strength coach or just high school right. assistant to look at. I'll give you three of them, man. Um, my first one probably would be conscious coaching by Brett Bartholomew. It just talks about, you know, creating a culture in the weight room, um, you know, different ways to get buy-in from student athletes. Um, the second one would probably be speed strength. Um, just talks about, you know, the biomechanics of sprinting, um, push-based exercises that you need to do, integrated drill sprint combos, things of that nature, which is really good, man. Uh, it's one of my favorite books that I've ever read. And this new one that I'm reading by Coach Aaron Wellman, who's the head strength coach at uh, uh, Indiana University. He's uh, His book is called Complete Conditioning for Football. Uh, I'm only in chapter three now, man, but it's really, really good. Um, talks about movement prep prior to the lifts. Um, your dynamic warm-up, your walking dynamic before sprint exercises, before practice. Um, it also talks about, you know, building buy-in as well. Um, I feel like you should always read any type of book that talks about building a culture or creating buy-in, regardless of who it is. If it's a book about it, I think you need to at least look at it. You know what I mean? But those three are probably my favorite. Who Who's the speed training book by? It's by, uh, oh man, I can't remember the name, but I know Dr. Matt Rea has, uh, let me, I can grab it for you right yep. here. Good. Uh, Joel Smith, Joel Smith, and uh, you know Dr. Rea, he has a couple of articles, chapters in it. I think some really good stuff. Okay, just like I said, that way we can help coaches find it if they want. And like I said, that's probably something I'll ask add to my Amazon list just there. Yeah. So, okay, now coach, now coaches, before we go, um, a make sure you follow coach on Twitter. They also have a strength and conditioning Twitter and Instagram that I know they put, they probably post most of their stuff. I would say on their Instagram, mm-hmm. like I said, there's some good stuff on there. So make sure you get follow the Valdosta state strength, follow him on Twitter, um, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. Um, otherwise that's been another episode of the gap down backer podcast.